This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We're going to learn about community foundations today. We'll talk about how they help not-for-profits and how they help individuals who'd like to give. Our guest is Keith Fulcher from the Community Foundation of Northwest Mississippi. We won't be taking phone calls on this Giving Tuesday, but you can send a personal finance question to money at mpbonline.org. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Before we get into the financial news of the week, this rhetorical question... Why do you call the person who invests your money a broker? Where's my rim shot when I need one? Hi, Nancy. Good morning. <laughs> what, uh, what were we supposed to? Were we supposed to provide like a laugh track? Or are we are we trying to answer that? No. Well, it's a rhetorical question, so just just some food for thought to start the show with. Uh, Nancy, what caught your eye in financial news this week? Well, this morning there's supposed to be a press announcement um, about a possible stimulus package, and this is a bipartisan group that are finally coming together from Congress, and we're hopeful that that will um, bring some relief because a lot of that unemployment is disappearing by the end of the year. We still have a lot of people who are unemployed, a lot of businesses that are struggling, a lot of state and local governments who need some help, and so we're watching that carefully to find out do they really make progress? and what's in the new bill. Uh, Ryder, what interested you this week? Uh, you know, I get a little miffed every time that I, I pick up an interesting news story and then I hear it mentioned on the national news before we come on, but uh, the NASDAQ has announced that they are going to require um, require company boards to have uh, one uh, woman and one minority on the board, uh, or they will be uh, possibly be delisted from the NASDAQ. Um, sounds like kind of a harsh rule, uh, but the trend is towards more women and minorities on board, so that's good. Um, and also, they're giving them a good long while to comply with this new rule. Uh, it's just very interesting how that de- is developing, uh, increasing diversity in the board space. And I'm going to jump in and say that uh, research supports that because we know if you have a group that is more diverse, then you end up typically with better results because you don't have group things. They don't all think alike. And so having those different voices, especially if you have customers who uh, represent a diverse group, it helps your company perform better. Absolutely. And so any board members listening who are looking to add a female board member, uh, might I throw out Dr. Nancy Lottridge Anderson. Okay. She is Thanks, she right? does have she she will provide some diversity of thought. Uh, she provides a different viewpoint and you can tell just by listening every Tuesday here on MPB. 
you know, that diversity of thought, uh, it, it's kind of an odd tangent, but uh, anybody that's ever done escape rooms, they're kind of fun little things where you all get locked into a room and you have to figure out puzzles and things to solve your way out in an hour. And uh, I think it's always good to have a diverse group uh, there, not just friends and family, but maybe some, uh, even some strangers sometimes, because again, people think differently. And uh, if everybody is locked into the same way to solve the puzzle, you might not be able to do it. But if you have someone else with a different idea, uh, then maybe you can figure out uh, the puzzle and escape. So I think that's uh, one of the interesting things that a fun thing uh, teaches us about, you know, teamwork and working together, those sorts of things. So have either one of you ever done an escape room? No, but I need to grab a diverse group of friends and go. It sounds like that was. I think that Kevin. That was a really good. Uh, that was a really good example. I, that's absolutely true. Well, thank you, uh, Liz and I. Our producer both uh, enjoy doing them. It's not necessarily a COVID-safe activity, but hopefully, when the pandemic uh, subsides, when we get that uh, vaccine rolled out, uh, we can start doing those again. So we and are. One thing I would say, Kevin, about a diverse group. Um, sometimes that leads to some tension because you do think differently and so you have to work a little bit harder to be cohesive in that team that's true you must be willing to uh, compromise and uh, if you meet me halfway neither one of us gets exactly what we want but together maybe we can accomplish what we're what we're trying to do uh, we're going to be talking today about community foundations, and our guest is Keith Fulcher, who's president of the Community Foundation of Northwest Mississippi. Keith, uh, thanks for being on the air with us, and if you could start out, please just tell us in general, what is a community foundation? That's great, but can I first, yeah, Keith Fulcher, I'm sitting in Hernando, Mississippi, and uh, first let me just echo what what, uh, what they, they were saying about the diversity of boards. Uh, the previous board that I worked with, uh, our first female president was Ann Weisinger from Roland Fork, Mississippi, and in the 45-year history of the board, uh, under Ann's leadership, that board raised more money than ever in the history of the, uh, annually in the history of that board. And so I do attribute and do echo exactly what you said about, especially females being on the board. So it kind of validates what you're saying, an unsubstantiated study. But it's, uh, you can look at the, the uh, annual reports of that foundation and just see what Ann Weisinger did. And here's what she did, and I'll get to the community foundation in just a second. She stood up, and this is what we need board members to do. She was one of the first to stand up and say, here's what I have done. I have made a decision to fund X. I have made a decision to name this institution in my estate plans. And she, she was just very vocal um, in her leadership. So, Nancy, if that validates just what you said. That's great. That's a real-world example, and that's always good to have. So thanks, Keith. Uh, so, again, now tell us yeah. again sort of uh, the one-on-one primer on a community foundation. Yeah, so I'm very honored to be working at the Community Foundation of Northwest Mississippi. So a community foundation is different than a private foundation. So pri most people are familiar with private foundations, family foundations. A community foundation is considered a public charity. So it, it's a collection of donations and funds set up by individuals and community members. So that word community is very strong and evident in that phrase community foundation. So here at our, at our uh, community foundation of Northwest Mississippi, we have about 300 different funds that individuals have set up. And so that, those funds comprise the entire community foundation. So those funds can be endowed funds, they can be scholarship funds, donor advised funds, 
uh, field of interest funds and uh, a couple of other opportunities that we have for donors to set up and use this uh, our community foundation as their philanthropic arm. Is that a good enough, decent enough uh, overview of a community foundation? That, that's a good way to start us off. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Community Foundation of Northwest Mississippi. How do you define the term Northwest? Yeah, good good uh, question. So the, uh, in 2002, the Maddox Foundation, uh, if you might be familiar with, in Hernando, Robin uh, Hurdle, uh, and Tom Pittman, who founded the Community Foundation of Northwest Mississippi. And at that time, it was this, primarily DeSoto Marshall, the northwest corner. Since 2002, it has the northwest definition has expanded to 11 counties. So if it's okay with you, I'll name the 11 counties that Northwest Mississippi is comprised of. So we cover our community foundation is responsible for supporting nonprofits and donors in 11 counties in Mississippi, Bolivar, Cahoma, DeSoto, Lafleur, Marshall, Panola, Quitman, Sunflower, Tallahatchie, Tate, and Tunica. So those are the 11. Some of the lower Delta counties, as I named, were just added a few years ago, Bolivar and Sunflower. So we have board representation from each of those counties. Uh, we're going to talk this hour about how the money that gets to you is invested. But first, tell us a little bit about um, how do you manage the, the funds that you do have custody of, the organization does have custody of? Yeah, thank you, Scott, for that, that question. So our total assets, and that's what we're tracking, our total assets, our goal is $50 million in total assets by the year 2028. So the board uh, several years ago, uh, based on research, delved into the transfer of wealth that's happening in the country. And uh, Nancy, I'm, you're very familiar with that transfer of wealth opportunity, especially from the state planning. So we invest our $25 million. I'm pleased to announce, this is the first public announcement. At our board meeting on November 17th, we announced we hit $25 million. We topped $25 million on November 17th, 2020. So we're halfway towards our goal of $50 million by the year uh, 2028. We invest, if, if I can name the entity we invest with, Hardy Reed in Tupelo, Mississippi. And they've done a, an outstanding job for us, 19% return last year. And I think year-to-date we're at about 6% year-to-date um, as of yesterday. So we have a professional money manager who oversees our assets. Uh, is there a board of directors, and what would their role be? Well, the board, yes. The board has, Kevin, the board has fiduciary responsibility. So they are the legal, uh, uh, have legal responsibility and fiduciary responsibility for the community foundation. We have 18 members of the board, one from each of our county, uh, uh, more from DeSoto County since the, based on the population and based on the historical DeSoto being the very first county where it was founded. And let, let me just pause and mention the very first gift in, tw in 2002 was a grand total of $250. That's how much we started with in grants, $250. So to date, we've granted out, the, the Community Foundation has granted out a, a, a total of $27 million. 
So we went from a one-year gift of 250 to a cumulative gift of grants of 27 million, and those grants are overseen by our 18-member uh, board. And Lillian Hillian Morris from uh, grew up in Batesville. She works at Northwest Community College. She is our board chair until January 1. And Coley Sanford in Hernando with Guaranteed Bank, he will be he's our incoming chair. Um, so that's 18 members and one from each county. Uh, we've got about a minute until our first break. Are there restrictions on, on how the money can be invested or what it can be invested in? Yeah, just like every other foundation, uh, we, we have a, 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 an investment policy and guidelines that the board approves and our finance committee approves. We have an audit committee uh, that uh, oversees it. So, you know, equities, we're about 73% equities and 15% fixed income, 9% alternatives, and about 3% cash. So, yes, there are restrictions, um, but those restrictions have great latitude for Harding Green, and they've done, you know, as I said, they've done a very, a very good job for us in overseeing the investments. But very, uh, we, uh, the, the, if I can name, which I, I won't take the time to name, our investment committee, finance committee, you would be very impressed with their uh, degree of sophistication and their challenging of our investment managers uh, in, in their due diligence of overseeing the investments. And that endowment. And that endowment is what the Community Foundation was created. That's our goal is to grow endowments for nonprofits to help them become self-sustaining and to perpetuate their, their mission. So let me just end on that word endowment. That's the key word uh, today in Notre we're talking with Keith Fulcher, president of the Community Foundation for Northwest Mississippi. When you have a question for our experts today, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We are talking about community foundations on this Giving Tuesday. How many community foundations are there in Mississippi? That's coming up. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Listening to Money Talks, our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 
Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're talking about community foundations and a couple that are in Mississippi. There's the Community Foundation of East Mississippi, the Gulf Coast Community Foundation, South Mississippi, West Point Community Foundation, and Create Foundation. And our guest today is Keith Fulcher, President of the Community Foundation of Northwest Mississippi. So, Keith, uh, you mentioned uh, some of this, but let's uh, maybe dive a little deeper into some of the funds that your organization oversees. Let's start by telling us, if you would, what a donor-established fund is. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Yeah, a donor-established fund is simply what, what it says. A donor uh, can make a decision based upon their gift uh, of an area of their support, of support, uh, an area that's uh, important to them. For example, if someone has at their heart uh, animal shelters or battered women or drug addiction, uh, we can write up a gift agreement with the donor and establish a fund at the community foundation. So the fund can either be endowed or it can be a current giving fund. But it's a simple five, ten-minute process uh, for someone to establish a donor fund at a community foundation, which I would encourage every listener uh, to look into their own community foundation serving their region and, uh, and consider setting up a donor fund at a community foundation. Keith, could you could you um, elaborate maybe a little more on that? I see a lot of times when you know when I read about the community foundation and here in Jackson, you know the community foundation of Mississippi, um, you know the various causes they support. So I'm guessing that's what those are. You know, donor established funds. What sort of parameters do you? does a community foundation look for? I mean, can anyone just go establish a fund for any old thing, or does it take a certain maybe amount of money or a certain type of cause? What what, what are the questions that would be asked if I said, hey, I want to establish a fund? Yeah, good, good question, Ryder. So we have at our community foundation, as I said, we've had about 300 funds established. So we can make grants to a 501c3. Wow. That is one of the that's a, one of the parameters. So that's why it's critical um, with if everything's wrapped in right as you know for a nonprofit to be successful, you know, they, they need to be registered at the Secretary of State's office and they need to become a 501c3 because we cannot make a grant unless they're they're a 501c3. So our Maddox Foundation Volunteer Center, which is one of our programs, has been doing a, a wonderful job working with our nonprofits to help them use, uh, be knowledgeable on the 501c3 EZ form. It's just a two-page form for a nonprofit to become a 501c3. So uh, if it's an endowed fund here, our minimum is only $5,000, and that's, you know, of course, fully tax-deductible. Uh, to the fullest extent of the law. So uh, it's amazing that the causes that people care about. Uh, we make primarily our grants are going into Northwest Mississippi, but you know we can make uh, you know grants outside of Mississippi. Uh, churches have established endowments with us. Um, the, the, the Grammy Museum in Cleveland, the BB King Museum in Indianola, the Emmett Till. Commission in Tallahatchie County. So these are all causes that people care about, 
that um, are critical to them. So it's very easy to set it up, and, and uh, the parameters are, are simple to navigate. So on a donor-established fund, if you've mentioned a couple of things, so someone is interested in maybe combating hunger and they uh, set up a fund, does that money then fund only hunger-related causes, or is it pooled together with the other funds in a number of different uh, ways to help the community? Yeah, good question, Kevin. And again, let me just uh, – I've been here 15 months, so uh, if my fellow Community Foundation presidents at, and I'll just name them, uh, Create Foundation, Community Foundation of Washington County, Community Foundation for Mississippi, Community Foundation of East Mississippi, the Greater Pine Belt Community Foundation, and the Gulf Coast Community Foundation, if they're listening, they can email and correct me. So um, ask me that question again, Kevin. So if someone is interested in a specific cause and creates a donor-established fund, does it go only to that, or is it all pooled together and work for the community? Well, let's say you were interested in Stewpot, which is in Jackson, of course. Mm-hmm. You could set up a fund specifically for the benefit of Stewpot, and only Stewpot could benefit once we write that agreement. And that's what donors, you know, I've been in the philanthropy world um, almost 25, over 25 years now. And that's what donors really want to know, who's protecting my interest. You know, who's looking out when I give money? Does it go into the slush fund? And the answer is no. We would go out of business if we took money that you designated for stew pot. So you could set it up, Kevin, just for stew pot. Or you could say, as a field of interest fund, you could say, I'm interested in hunger. Help me find hunger opportunities. And then we, that's part of our services. We can make recommendations to the donors about who's working in that space. Or, or you could just simply call us and say, uh, hey, out of my donor advice fund, send $100 to this hunger effort, send 5000 to this hunger effort. So that's part of our service also. We, we react to the donor's uh, request, and, it, and that's where the donor advice part comes in, where they're advising us. Who to, who to support. The ultimate decision, uh, the ultimate responsibility is the, the board of directors and uh, goes through our grants committee. And again, one of the clear. Yeah. And so, again, one of the 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 jobs of the foundation, I guess you could say, is to steward that money, grow that money and and make sure it goes, you know, to the proper areas where donors or other people have put the money and would like it to go. Exactly. I mean, we, we, we work for the donor. We work for their interests. So we're not raising, this is what we like to say here, I mean, we're not raising money for ourselves, our community foundation. We do have events, uh, two events that bring in revenue. We do have a 1% management fee on the in, endowment uh, that helps fund our operation. But we're not out raising money for ourselves. We're more asking a question, like if I was meeting with Nancy, I would say, Nancy, tell me about what are your top three uh, charities currently? What are your top three causes that you support? And then I would talk, have a conversation with Nancy and just try to flesh out of her what she's currently doing and then what's, you know, who's out there. She wasn't aware of uh, Jonestown in, in Cahoma County, which uh, Reverend Pastor Stan Buckley out of Jackson took over from the Catholic uh, Church in Jonestown. I mean, it is, you know, it, it's, you go on these dirt roads, blacktop roads, gravel roads, and that's where these nonprofits are working, and that's where we are out 
trying to find those nonprofits and align them with donors to support their causes. With the goal, I'll just reiterate, with the goal of creating, creating an endowment. And, and on our endowments, we have a 5% annual payout. So a $100,000 endowment, we, we generate $5,000 a year for that um, for that nonprofit. A million dollars would generate 50000 a year. So it just keeps going up in those increments. Uh, Nancy, I think you had a comment you wanted to share. Well, we have worked with some clients who have gone this route, and a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to set up a foundation. But it's very expensive to set up a foundation, to set it up, to maintain it, um, to sustain it through many years. And so using an existing community foundation for that effort is a great way to go. So you can give them the money, and we've done this with some folks, and you can decide on the front end, here are the things that I want to support. But the big issue is then continuity. What happens if 20 years after your demise, some of those organizations are no longer in business? There needs to be a structure that can say, well, okay, this person was interested in hunger, for instance, and we have something else that is now in existence doing a better job. So this is where a community foundation has that structure, can receive those gifts, and uh, make use of them, and it makes it easier for families who want to then give and give after they're gone. And uh, Keith, it does sound yeah, the way it's set up is, is quite flexible for the, for the donors. Well, just what Nancy said, I and mean, thank you so much, uh, Nancy, for that validation, because we, 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 in the document, we do write in successor trustees, and we have one gentleman who grew up in Biloxi, he lives in uh, DeSoto County, I mean, he's named uh, the, a third-generation successor family member trustee. He has met with the, uh, the, the family member, um, and he has educated that family member on the causes that matter to him. And that is our mission. Uh, if you read our mission statement, it's connecting people who care with causes that matter. Connecting people who care with causes that matter. And so that that succession uh, within the family is critical. So that continuity, Nancy, um, if, a, if, if, if a nonprofit goes out of business, then we would consult with the family or the donor and say, okay, and that has happened, as you know. So then we say, all right, here's some others that are comparable. You know, we can move the money to these these entities. You can help select and make give advice. So that's that happens just about in every public foundation, uh, university setting um, that, that I've had experience with. But that's. A wonderful validation, Nancy. And then on the part I've read, Nancy, if you can validate this, that unless you've got about ten million, that might be like the benchmark as a family foundation. That you know you really need a lot of money uh, to set up your own private family foundation. I don't know what figure, if you have a figure in mind. Um, I don't have the figure, but even if you have that kind of money, you still have to think about. Who is going to be running it? Are you going to be depending on your family members and uh, generations in the future to still be participating in that? Maybe that's just too much. 
Yeah, one of my, you know, in my previous career, one of my largest job, largest gifts was four million, and it was a uh, a trust that a, a gentleman had set up, and he got, he just got tired of dealing with the tax filings, calling the trustee meeting, and he called and said, "Can you carry out the same purpose of my trust?" And I said, "Of course we can." I mean, scholarships, so of course we can. So he 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 dissolved his trust and transferred the money to the my previous employment, and it saved he and his wife a lot of headaches from having to deal with the uh, the financial aspects and legal aspects of it. So community foundations, if you're listening, I would advise you and recommend that you contact any of these uh, community foundations that I just named. Uh, there's seven in the state, uh, and, then, uh, and I know there's one in Grenada, too, that um, – we we work with the Alliance in, out of Jackson, Sammy Moon, and they, they provide a lot of guidance to our community foundation. So just a shout-out to Sammy Moon and the, the Alliance. Uh, but contact – every county is divided up and assigned uh, to a community foundation. So that's – my recommendation is, you know, if you're considering your Giving Tuesday – estate planning, especially estate planning, contact a community foundation. This is Money Talks, and today we're learning about community foundations with our guest, Keith Fulcher, from the Community Foundation of Northwest Mississippi. We'll listen to more community foundations in Mississippi next. It's Giving Tuesday, and you're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal financial broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Here's a list of some more community foundations in our area. There's the Pine Belt Foundation. The Community Foundation of Greater Jackson has become the Community Foundation of Mississippi. And there's also the Community Foundation of Greater Memphis. We are talking about community foundations today on Money Talks with the president of the Community Foundation for Northwest Mississippi, Keith Fulcher. So, Keith, let's talk a little bit about um, establishing a scholarship fund. Uh, how does that work? Uh, thank you, Kevin. Let me just say, I am a donor to the MPB Foundation. I donated last week knowing that I was going to be on this program. So thank you. Um, the Car Talk is my favorite show. I just grew up listening to Car Talk. But, so thank you for everything you're doing and MPB Foundation is doing. And I encourage all the listeners to sign up and, and to make a gift. So uh, 
one of the benefits of donating to a community foundation, the state of Mississippi created what they what is called uh, Endow Mississippi. It's a 25% state income tax credit, so it lowers your state income tax credit. I took advantage of this this past year, my wife and I, and uh, we received a t- we were able to deduct $250 off of what we owe to the state of Mississippi by making a, a gift to an endowment at a community foundation. And of course, I made an endowment at our community foundation of Northwest Mississippi. So if it's anyone is interested in creating a scholarship fund and endowing a scholarship fund, we encourage them to look at the, take advantage of a tax savings through the Endow Mississippi program and every all of the, of the other community foundations have this uh, opportunity tax savings opportunity at their disposal so it's simple if someone would like to support any of the major any of the universities major any of the hbcus which we really encourage uh, uh, supporting minority and diversity opportunities for education for children um, it's just as easy to create a scholarship through our community foundation. And in my previous career, I've set up hundreds of scholarships. It's a couple of guidelines that are needed, uh, a few restrictions. If the donor wants to put restrictions on it, they can even name a specific, if it's a high school, that they want to uh, pay uh, to help pay for tuition for a, st- a student who meets certain guidelines to go to a specific university, they can do that. Or if they want to set up general guidelines uh, for scholarships, we can set up general guidelines. So it's a very simple process and, uh, and one that we encourage our donors to consider taking advantage of. And so uh, would the board decide who receives the money based on the guidelines uh, established with the fund? Yeah, good question. But, uh, you can it's a variety of ways. Some families who set up uh, scholarships, they, they present criteria, and they ask the school count. If it's uh, going to a university, they'll ask the counselors to form a committee with representation um, from a family member and the community foundation to make recommendations on who should receive the, the scholarship. So some uh, individuals will leave, uh, families will just, uh, individuals will just leave it up to a committee within the, a community foundation. So there's a whole, I mean, there's a whole gamut of opportunities, but the family can be involved. Now the family, as Nancy knows, um, Ryder knows, the family cannot handpick the tax reasons, just can't handpick who receives the scholarship. So the community foundation plays a role, that buffer role, in uh, protecting the integrity of that um, the, the donation made to the community foundation, which is a donation. One of the questions I received is, who owns that uh, fund and who has control of it? So it is an outright donation, just as if you're given to the uh, American Heart Association or St. Jude. The, the, that's the legal responsibility of the, of the board to oversee. So the whole gamut of how those selections are done. Oh, by the way, before I let this slip away, thank you so much for becoming a member of uh, and the MPB Foundation. It's uh, the money that you and other listeners uh, give to us that helps us continue to do what we do each and every day to try to provide information and entertainment to all of Mississippians and uh, the other folks who listen to MPB Think Radio. So, Keith, thanks uh, for your help uh, specifically with that. Um, a lot of You're times – go ahead. 
Yeah, yeah. And I was going to mention matching a matching gift, uh, and I don't know if my gift to the uh, MPD would be matched, but you know the research shows that a person is three times more likely to make a gift when told it will be matched. So, I mean, I, I, the Maddox, the Dan and Margaret Maddox Foundation out of Hernando has been overly generous in matching grant matching gifts to our community foundation. So one of the successes we've enjoyed since the pandemic, and uh, you mentioned hunger earlier, we initiated a Feed Northwest Mississippi Fund, and I'm pleased to report that to date, since April 1, we granted out $728,000 to food pantries and nonprofits who are uh, addressing the uh, hunger needs of children, the academic needs, and the health care needs of children. And the Maddox just announced, Maddox Foundation just last week announced another $150,000 matching grant. So once we match that by December 31st, we'll have topped a million dollars in direct and indirect grants to our nonprofits for the needs of children. So matching grants are really critical to the success of a nonprofit in their fundraising efforts, in my opinion. You know, a lot of times uh, you hear a word that you think you know the meaning of, uh, and then when you think about it, you think to yourself, well, no, I'm not exactly sure what that is. So we've talked a lot about it. Keith, what exactly is an endowment? Well, it's a, a, a perpetual fund where the corpus uh, remains intact. And so if someone, for example, my wife and I, we've initiated uh, a, an endowment uh, at the community foundation, and our goal is a minimum of $5,000. We're doing about 1000 a year just to help it grow. Uh, and so that money will spend off 5% every year in, in payouts to the charities that we advise that it be sent to. So that money will be there in perpetuity. Um, so it's, 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 if, if, it, if that word endowment resonates with someone, that their legacy and their causes will live on forever. I mean, that's, that is an endowment, a permanent fund. It's not, and, and, and so that we will not invade the corpus um, to, to, to make charitable giving or invade the corpus at any time. Um, so that's why that stock market and investment managers and picking your, uh, and the due diligence of the finance committee is critical in, in uh, growing that endowment. So we have grown um, exponentially over the last few years, you know, thanks to gifts, endowment gifts, and thanks to growth in the, um, in the investment performance. Is that a decent enough? Yeah, uh, and so it, it, it endowment? might be kind of trite, but it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yes, over I mean, for generations and generations. Uh, there was a family that I was uh, good friends with there on their third generation of a family uh, foundation, a family trust, and they moved it to a chair, to the, a previous employment, and they're on their third generation. Now they're on, going on their fourth generation of family members involved in, 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 in philanthropy, and it's just a joyous occasion for them every Thanksgiving to get together and, 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 and review the financial status of their, of their trust. And the, uh, the proceeds are donated to a previous employment where I was. And that uh, impacts Coma County, Quitman County, Tallahatchie County, and one more county. I, I, I don't remember exactly, but it's scholarships of needy and deserving students who otherwise would not even have an opportunity to, to make it to college, whether it's two-year or four-year. 
So while we're on the subject, what is the endowment fund at the Community Foundation of Northwest Mississippi? Yeah, we're right at uh, our total assets are uh, 20, uh, we just topped 25 million, and our permanent endowment is right at 20 million. So we topped 20 million for the first time um, as of November. And that supports such programs, and we've got a few programs that we, we work with internally. Uh, I know Excel by Five is one that I think you said, or Liz said, that MPE supports. So Excel by Five is one of our signature programs. Uh, the Box Project. These can be found on our website at cfnm.org, cfnm.org. The Box Project is a program that's been around for 40, 50 years, and it, it connects uh, individuals around the United States with needy families, especially in the Mississippi Delta. And if you go to our go to the Box Project website, uh, boxproject.org, you can watch a sizzle reel of, about uh, uh, Timothy Halston, who received his first book at the age of nine from a donor living in New York, and, and it inspired him to read, and now he just earned his Ph.D. from Ole Miss in computer science, but it's thanks to that box project, and so that's one of our signature programs that we're, you know, we're working to create endowments for to sustain it. So another one is uh, our Maddox Foundation Volunteer Center. Now, this is a program that every community foundation has at its disposal, a volunteer center. So the listeners need to get involved with their local volunteer center, and the community foundations can connect them. The Maddox Foundation Volunteer Center has done a wonderful job in uh, hands-on work with about 300 nonprofits in our 11 counties. So just a big shout-out to our Maddox Foundation Volunteer Center. So they've organized Thursday, they've organized a hunger summit. We've held three hunger summits the last three months, and the Volunteer Center has organized that hunger summit. And we brought in Harvard Law School, Delta Directions, under, under the direction of Ole Miss and Mississippi State. So the Volunteer Center does a wonderful job um, leading major efforts uh, that can impact the quality of life in our region. So if an individual is looking for a charity to make a contribution to, could they go to cfnm.org and, and uh, investigate some of the work that you're involved with? Oh, definitely. You know, Facebook, uh, I invite you to look at our YouTube channel. We've got maybe 100 videos uh, on the Community Foundation YouTube channel. Uh, please look at the videos on the YouTube and our Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter. So follow us on all social media. And thank you for this uh, opportunity, Kevin. All thank right. you, Liz, Nancy, Ryder. Thank you. That's going to wrap us up. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Run Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast. Just search for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. For Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Ryder Taft, and our guest Keith Fulcher, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us Tuesdays at 9 for Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 